You're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad, and I'm sitting across from Sorica Scully, who's the head of organisation at Nation Builder. And uh, we're going to find out what Nation Builder is all about. I'm linking up with Sorica here at Collision in Toronto. Uh, but one of the things in Sorica's profile, which is an awful lot more important, is that Sorica is a former Boston Rose and has been to Tralee. And is very much immersed in the Rose family. Sorica, tough all to Rose. Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you. It's great to be here. It's always good to connect different uh, people at Collision. And uh, yeah, I am head of organising at Nation Builder, which is marketing. Uh, we call it organising because we got our start in politics. And so Nation Builder is the world's most used software for politics and advocacy. We work with candidates and campaigns all across the globe, uh, as well as advocacy groups and non-profit uh, groups. So I get the head of our organising team that does the work on events, community building, and kind of facilitating conversations. And so yeah, I've been there for eight years. I am originally from Kerry. I grew up in London, and I moved to Boston 11 years ago now, which is crazy. Uh, I did a two-year hiatus in Los Angeles. Not for me. LA's a lovely place to visit, but not a place to live, in my personal opinion. And it was just a little bit too far away from home. That 12 hour flight is a killer. Versus the six hours from Boston. Um, yeah. Nation Builder, <coughs> what strikes me based on what you said, given the current state of US politics, I would imagine that um, your task must be somewhat challenging in. Uh, if you are to try to present a neutral message. Yeah, it's very challenging. Um, we've seen that people are significantly more polarized and have been since 2016. But we are, as a company, fiercely non-partisan and intentionally are. So we don't identify with one political party or another. The core of the nation order is democracy. And to do that, you need more people actually running for office. So we have a program called Run for Office where anyone, anywhere for free can go put in their zip code and identify what offices they're eligible to run for. A big part of the problem in states in particular, especially the down-ballot races, is that you are seeing no one contest them. So you have someone who is running for office, who's been running for office for 25 years, and no one's contesting them. So that person who hasn't maybe changed their ideals to align with the rest of the community is still running and going uncontested constantly. And so the whole premise with run for office is to allow people to get a clear sense of how do I do it? So you pop in your zip code, it comes up that you can run for school board, and then we take you through the process. How do you actually run for office? So where do I go to get my filing papers? What does it look like to actually create a win number? How do I start my campaign? What, how do I fundraise for my campaign? We have kind of programs that we take folks through on that journey, and the whole premise there is to democratize access to running for office in the US. Um, who do you target then, or do they come to you? It's a mixture. So we have folks who have never ever run before in their entire life that just, you know, there's a particular issue that they care about, and they Google quite literally, like, how do I run for office? And it will come to us. And then sometimes we work with partnerships, so we have a partnership with um, She Should Run and Vote Run Lead, which are candidate recruitment organizations. Both of those are focused on women. There's a number of candidate, uh, candidate recruitment organizations 
organisations that are non-profit and non-partisan. So they're not, you know, saying we need more women running for Demo- uh, as a Democrat or as a Republican. They are working with everyone just to increase the number of women in particular in, in those two examples, but you have groups that are looking for um, uh, people of colour, you've got groups that are looking for veterans. Uh, it's really diverse, and the candidate recruitment organisation is someone that we partner with to help their candidates go through the process of running for office. Um, you also uh, have a podcast. I do, yeah. Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. Uh, so I have a podcast with my co-host Tony Howard Brown, and it is called Unapologetic Women. The whole premise of this came out of Tony and I have been friends for many years. We worked together, and she was in our Europe office, and I was in Boston, um, and we just would FaceTime for hours and talk about everything from politics to tech to fast business models to pricing to how they intersect to what's happening in pop culture and uh, we kicked it off in 2020 actually uh, when the world changed forever we kicked it off and we are five series in five yeah five, we have five series behind us uh, it's a passion project for sure and Tony is just so wonderful she is now like an F1 pundit so she's completely kind of shifted careers out of the technical and physical space and moved into to F1 punditry but yeah we get together every Sunday and record record live so it's really unscripted we'll have one topic and just start to discuss it unlike what I do I, I never express opinions I look at my role is to encourage you to express this yeah. um, and it's just the role I've, I've chosen from the beginning is not to have opinion Um, so do you find then that as a result of expressing opinion that it can lead to backlash can lead to um, and can that spill over into national Um, I am very intentional with kind of separation of that like unapologetic women is my own uh, brand and I I don't kind of allow for it to to impact my day to day role at Nation Builder in terms of backlash definitely um, we're very honest in like who we are as women in particular hence the name unapologetic women and we've gotten messages online from folks who either disagree with us or don't think that we should have an opinion and have an opinion as to why they believe we shouldn't and for me when it comes to negative engagement like that online I just don't have time for it and so I just it's disregard I do not engage with it because if you actually wanted to have a conversation if you had feedback I am all for having a, like an actual conversation with someone uh, if they disagree but not where it is just blatant nastiness and bullying mm-hmm. um. Talk to me about the Rose Trilling. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So I have always, always, always loved the Rose Trilling. Um, when I was on <laughs> on the Rose Trilling in 2018, one of the pictures when I was going on to chat with Dave was of me with the San Francisco Rose in the Rose Park when I was like three. Um, and so I'd gone. I was a Bonnie baby. I Every year we used to be there on Denny Street at the festival. Um, and so when I did my two-year hiatus in LA, uh, when I moved back, my uh, 
and now husband, we moved back to Boston, which is where his family's from, down the Cape. And um, I had always loved Boston. I moved to Boston first when I moved to the States 11 years ago to do my master's and fell in love with it. And I was there for five years before doing my two years in LA. And so when we moved back in 2018, I was like, this, this is it. This is Boston's the place I want to represent. Because I always was like, oh, maybe I'll do it in London or I was looking at LA. And I'm really, really glad that I chose to do it in Boston. And so, yeah, we moved back in the February. Put in the application, went through the process, and my family flew in from London and Ireland to come. And we had, they did like all the signs like you do in the dome. So we were making the signs the night before. And yeah, it was honestly, that day was fantastic. The Boston and New England Rose Center are amazing. I'm still in relationship with all of those folks. We just actually had our newest Rose elected. Um, it was on the same day as my wedding. And so I wasn't able to be there this year, but I'm really excited for her. And yeah, so then fast forward to August of 2018, uh, we headed, when did we, what was our first stop? Kem, uh, Kildare. We stayed in, I'm not going to remember the name of the hotel, but our first stop was in Kildare. We did like four or five different sections of Kildare in the first two days, which was amazing. Kildare tourism absolutely like pulled out of the park. We were treated like royalty and taken from, you know, one castle to the next. And the women that I had the opportunity to meet over those, for those of you who don't know, when you get the registry, what you see on TV is only a very, very small part of the registry. So we had that full week prior with the roses. And well, the women that I've met there are still deep, deep friends of mine today and brilliant minds. I think of London, the London Rose, Ronnie Hawks. Um, she is, you know, pioneering GDPR growth right now. She's in the EU. She's living in Brussels. I, there's just so many women that were in my class that are pioneering what they their careers and what it looks like to be an Irish woman. And yeah. I know many of the roses comments that they're blown away <coughs> with the celebrity status. Oh yeah. It was wild. It was honestly wild. We, I remember, I think when it really hit me was when we went to, so we landed into Tralee on that Wednesday, and we went to the Greyhounds, to the dogs. And I used to go to dogs all the time, my family. But when we got there, there was just this, like, swarm of little ends that were like, please, please, sign, sign, sign. And that was when it really hit me. I was like, oh, my God, like, we're here. Like, it was, it was insane. You've made lifelong friends. Mm. And when it came to your wedding? Yeah, absolutely. We, I go to, there was 10 of the roses from my class at the wedding. And uh, one of them actually, the Johnny Gall Rose, my darling Neve, fantastic singer. And so I asked her prior to the wedding if she would do the communion reflection. And we were talking about what song would she sing. And she did a rendition of the Boston Rose as the communion reflection and she ended it with um, I married my Boston Rose instead of goodbye my Boston Rose and it was so special and it's a thing that people who you know we had over 300 people at our wedding and they were so, everyone was talking about it and still to this day are talking about Neve who sang and I was 
like, yes, that was the Johnny Gold Rose. Do you my Johnny Gold Rose? <laughs> so where did Sarika go from here? Oh, where do I go from here? So yeah, I, I'm newly married. This is my first work event as a Stully, not as a Rochford. I'm getting used to that. And I am really excited to continue to grow into, like, my dream situation is being a CMO in the next kind of five, ten years, looking at that. And then there is part of me that's an itch that I need to figure out how to scratch, which is I do want to run for office. And I want to figure out what makes the most sense to me. Is it local office or is it going into Congress? Um, but I've got a little bit of soul searching to do because it's really hard right now to, you know, pick a party in the US because for me, they're demonizing each other constantly. Like, I personally identify with the values of the Democratic Party, but I don't agree that we have to, you know, demonize the other person to win. And so I need to figure out a way to either, you know, run an independent uh, or maybe try and bring some change into the Democratic Party. Who knows? So that's, that's the future. And, and I think uh, what it's an illustration of because the same in a way in England is that the two-party system has become very polarised. Yes, absolutely. Like the two-party system, I remember writing an essay, I did uh, politics um, my master's, and there was an essay on, is the two-party system actually a hundred-party system? And looking at the different segmentations within each of the two parties, having it actually be more expansive umbrella party. And it is just not that anymore. You just, you have the loudest voice wins on both sides of the party. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you um, get to go back to see your folks in England much and do you go to Ireland much? Yes. So we, before the pandemic, I was back at least once a quarter. <coughs> so Nation Mother has an office in London and in uh, Belgium. And so I would be kind of back and forth a lot with work. And then since the pandemic, I've been back. I haven't been back for Christmas since 2019. And so I'm doing that this year, which I'm really excited for. Um, and yeah, I'm back. Whenever I go to London, I'll make the 45-minute trip to Kerry from Luton. Yeah, have you been back at any of the Royal celebrations since? Yes. I was back in 2019, and it was absolutely brilliant. I want to say there was like at least 20 of our class, so 60, and maybe even 30, to kind of see Kirsten out. And we had just the absolute time of our lives. And it was, they did the, um, what was it called? The, there was a 70s disco in the Dome on the Saturday night. Everyone was all dressed up. It was brilliant. It was so, so good. Yeah. Sorry, Scully. It's been a real pleasure meeting you, chatting with you, and uh, wish you every success. Thank you, Austin. I appreciate it.